The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I'm very happy to be back in the studio after a couple of weeks away. Uh, We had a wonderful trip to Ireland, and um, I'm always happy to be away, but always happy to get back to work as well. Um, If you're listening and you want to join us and call into the show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Feel free to call 888 Three two nine thirty three zero six. That's eight 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 three two nine thirty three zero six. And also be sure to check out um, our incredible lineup for October. Um, you can find that and um, all kinds of information about the show at womentowatch.net. That is women the number two watch.net. Net. So I want to get right to our guest this afternoon, and I'm very grateful to her because she's calling us from Australia, where it's quite early in the morning over there. And uh, I'm very happy to have her with us today is Anika Vandenbroek. And Anika is the CEO and founder of Rufus & Coco, which is a very successful pet brand that offers uh, trusted and original products for pets. Anika, welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for for joining us. As I mentioned, it is quite early, but um, you said that you're an early bird, so uh, that probably speaks (laughs) to one of the reasons you've been so successful. You get an early start. What's it like there today? I'll be honest, I can't tell yet. It's very dark outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's too dark, okay. Um, well, Every day is a good day to make the most of. Oh, that's right, that's right. That's a great piece of advice. Um, tell me, I, Anika, I understand that you did grow up in Australia, uh, born and raised and still there. Um, tell me, can you tell me a little bit about your um, upbringing and your background as a young girl? Uh, of course. Um, so I was lucky to grow up in Sydney, Australia. I'm not sure if you've ever been here, but it is a lovely place and it's uh, very much has, you know, the outdoor lifestyle and, you know, growing up, I grew up in a, in a family of animal lovers. So certainly, um, it's not surprising that today, um, Rufus and Coco, uh, my pet business is the one that I own and invest so much energy into. My, uh, father was Dutch. And my mother is Australian and, and it's interesting when I look at my journey because I was quite entrepreneurial from a young age. I actually started selling mice um, to the pet shop when I was eight years of age and um, I discovered that that was a really great way of making pocket money. But it certainly taught me a lot about how uh, animals breed and, and how you, know, you can actually turn some of your assets <laughs> into uh, liquid cash, if you like. Right. Um, and and my father, um, my father's uh, sort of mantra that sticks with me uh, from what my father said is that you can do anything you want to if you try. And and 
certainly it's a mantra that I you know keep with me today. But I think with my, a lot of women of um, our generation, um, I'm actually 45. I hate to say this year, <laughs> the number just keeps getting bigger. You know, so many of us questioned to have um, love to that of our mother and parents, and um, in many way, many ways, my was the same. You know, I had a a mother who stayed at home and a father that worked and a father that kind of liked keeping my mother in her place, if you like. And um, I really saw a different path to me. And I thought, why can't women do what men do? And whilst I had a great education at a private girls' school, I recall saying to my parents when I was about, uh, what, 28 years of age, I said, I'm going to go and do my MBA. And they said to me, but Annika, why would you want to do that um, when in a couple of years you'll probably be married with children? And fortunately, I didn't listen to them and I did go on to do that. And I think it's interesting with parents because in many ways, they, they try so hard to, I mean, parent, my parents absolutely did their best, like, like so many of ours. But, uh, but I think, you know, their own fear of failing stood in the way of encouraging me to do what I should be doing. And look, I've always loved animals. I've owned over 40 pets in my life um, of all different types. And that certainly helps me today because our fantastic customers call in and occasionally when I'm taking a break out of what I do, I get on the phone and, uh, and, and chat to them about, you know, their rabbit, their cat, their dog. And, um, and, and having owned so many myself, you know, it enables me to provide some good support. And look, one of the best things that we do and one of my goals in studying Rufus and Coco was to be able to, um, you know, use the business for good and to give back to animals in need. And I'm really proud to say that um, we partner strongly with the World Animal Protection um, in Australia and now in other parts of the world. And, and um, you know, we have actually helped to support their welfare programs and save animals' lives. And uh, my corporate background... Um, which is quite extensive now when I think about it. It <laughs> is. It I've is. Been going at it for. <laughs> but um, it's basically it's basically a background in marketing, fashion, um, and health products. And look, it's not surprising that today Roots and Coco is really a health and beauty um, brand for for pets. One of the things, Anika, I read about you was that from a very young age, you know, you talked a little bit about why uh, you wanted to create a, a life a little bit different from the way your mom and dad um, raised you. And that's certainly a generational thing. I think many of us see that with our parents. Um, but you you wanted to have an impact in the world from a young age. Can you talk to me a little bit about what, it, what that feeling was, what it was that you were hoping – um, to do? I, I really, my, my passion has um, always been with animals and I, I, I suppose in observing, um, you know, my mum who, who would say things like, I should have been a, I could have done, you know, I, I, you, know you hear these messages and I'm so conscious of it now being a mother myself to a beautiful girl and boy. Right. Um, you have to be careful what you say. Mm-hmm. Because what I heard is that at some point she kind of gave up a quest to be what, as, as magnificent as she could be, you know, to reach her full potential and do what she wanted to do that would fill her life and love. So for me, um, 
I, you know, I'm, I suppose I've always been hardwired in a way that I realised that we're 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 kind of small in the scheme of like what is the world, and um, I'd always hoped to be a little bit like a mosquito in a tent, you know, like small but highly effective <laughs> if not caught with the with the flies. You know what I mean? Like so, so how do you how do we when we are so small kind of create a ripple that can hopefully lead to a wave? And look, that's something that I'm so impressed with you and your program is that it really does help to empower women. I think giving great stories, helping people realise how others have set about achieving um, good things you know, for the world. Um, I think it's fantastic and so important. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, you know, there was a quote I wrote down, um, which speaks to a little bit to, to what you have always kind of had as a, uh, a voice inside you and a, and a, and a desire, I'll say, to have an impact. And I wondered what this phrase meant. You said, when I'm lying on my deathbed, I hope one of my friends will say, she sure did give it a shove. <laughs> and I laughed when I read that. It might be an Australian expression that, that we're not familiar with. Tell me what that means. Oh, that is so funny. Um, you know, I, I give it a shove, meaning you give it a push. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, uh, my mantra is very much about living your life with intention. So being very clear on what it is that you want for yourself, your family, all the, all the things that we deal with around us. Because as women, we are so often, you know, mothers, daughters, sisters, we are bosses, and so the list goes on, mm-hmm. and carers for people in the community. And, and so I think, you know, one of the things where women get torn and perhaps don't lean into the opportunities that they have for themselves is that is that they're so caught up in all these different roles. So for me, and even in my family today, we we I went to the Japanese restaurant recently with my children and got out some textures and white pieces of paper and got them to draw up what their vision was. We did this at the beginning of the year. What their vision was for the year. What are the things that would make them happy? And these are not things. These could be achieving things, doing things. I mean, my daughter wrote down that she wanted to eat spaghetti bolognese a hundred times. You know, that was on her <laughs> list. But I, but I think it's really important to be clear on what you want. So for me in saying um, she really did give it a shove, you know, we have, whilst we have all these roles, at the end of the day we breathe in and breathe out for ourselves. We can't lose sight of what it is that we're here to do. And, you know, we're losing our power if we give it to everyone else. Mm. So what is it that we want? And I want people to say she went after that and she did it for herself. Mm. And um, one of the things, you know, it said in the lead up to your show, it talked about overcoming the fear. And in doing that, you do have to face a lot of fears because they come up every day, all the small voices in your head mm-hmm. <laughs> that could stop you getting out of bed or stop you taking the next step. Yes. And um, so I think being able to get support, being able to overcome your fears. And, um, you know, I was telling my mother the other day about a circumstance when I, was, I sort of lost my patience when she was talking about how someone didn't have the confidence I did. And I said to her, listen, confidence is a muscle. You get confident 
by using it. You get confident by doing something, taking the next step. That's how you build confidence. It's not something that, you know, God gives to you. <laughs> well, right. he, he does, yeah. but it's something that you're taking away most of the time for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So, so lying in my deathbed saying I had it, you know, it just basically means giving every, making sure every day counts. Yeah, and keep pushing forward, right, no matter, no matter the challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me, you know, you mentioned fear, and um, I think you're absolutely right. None of us lives without fear. Tell me what keeps you up at night. Oh, wow. Well, look, it, it changes. Um, I would say that, um, you know, I've had, like so many of us, you know, I've had all sorts of things keep me up at night. Like I've, uh, I, when I was starting out in business, um, and, you know, I started out at the same time as having my first child, two quite significant learning curves in parallel. I remember, you know, traveling on a plane two weeks before I had my child to go and see one of Australia's largest customers. But I thought, I'm not going to not do that, <laughs> you know, because I'm losing, you know, their window, their review schedule windows are sort of yearly. So if you miss it that time, then you miss it for the whole year. Um, you know, certainly that was keeping me up at night, how I was going to do that if I'd make it back on the plane. <laughs> um, yeah. I've had all sorts of things keeping me up at night. Like, I think, I think um, you know, when you, when you start in a business, um, y- you know, you have all the challenges associated with creating a brand, finding the right suppliers, um, you know, getting getting noticed when actually you've got sort of an idea at that point mm-hmm. to sell. And and then once you get established and, and Rufus and Coco, um, you know, starting it from scratch to being a national brand in three years was absolutely, you know, an achievement. However, to then get it to its next point was another massive um, leap. And where we are now in business is kind of the next step up. So, look, I think... I have a lot of things that can keep me up at night. I suppose regardless of it, um, I think it's good to have some resources (laughs) as to what you do with the noises in your head that you're mulling over. And for me, I keep an online diary. And and it's great. I I create this table on the left-hand side. I write down all the things that I'm worried about or I'm struggling with or, you know, I need help with. And in the middle column, I'll write down you know, what are my options for dealing with that? And on the right-hand side, I'll write down who can help me because mentors are so important. Who do I know that knows the answer to that question if I don't know it? Or what what actually am I going to do about it in what time period? And I was even, uh, you know, speaking with one of my team members yesterday, talking to her about this table, saying, um, you know, how rewarding it is to then look back on your diary and realise that even just setting the intention to solve the problem Mm. without really necessarily even reflecting on the steps, how that leads you forward. But other simple things like um, I have to leave my technology in the kitchen downstairs at night time. Otherwise, you know, my phone would light up, beep, or even I'd just wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning and think, I wonder where that email is. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yes. uh, Because I'm, I'm pleased to say that we are to North America and because you are in a different time zone, it does provide the additional challenge of, um, you know, kind of thinking about what's happening 
on your continent at the same time as the other continents where we operate. That's right. Um, it makes work you know, 24 four hours a day, doesn't it? It does. So being able to, um, you know, not watch too much technology before you go to bed um, and perhaps read a book, um, do the things that sort of um, quieten your mind before you actually go to sleep at night. Yes, and I think it's it's difficult when you're an entrepreneur and you actually truly enjoy your work. I think it's harder to turn it off uh, than if you work for a business or a company and at the end of the day you're able to walk away and, you know, close the door and, and not think about it. Oh, look, Susan, I couldn't agree more. It's so funny. I walk down the, the – one of the products that we sell is like an air mesh harness, and I walk down the street here with the kids on the weekend. You know, we'll, we'll often be scootering down the road here, and um, they'll go, look, Mummy, there's your harness. And, you know, they jump off the scooters, and they go over <laughs> and pat the dog, and it's like yeah. it's everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's fun. It's that's exciting. And their dog. Yes. It is. It's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm, I'm speaking with Anika Vandenbroek this afternoon. She's the CEO and founder of Rufus and Coco. And um, I wanted to know, I, I read that you, it, it's important to you, and this is a good thing that you do, to surround yourself with other inspiring women and uh, a network of experts and, you know, people that can help you in areas that perhaps you don't have that expertise. Tell me what you look for in other people. Oh, look, my, my thought on this, and I use a bit of a catchphrase, which is it's easy to walk on a tightrope when you know there's a safety net. So if you think about that, you know, if you're just about to go from this pylon to that pylon, and I say to you, Susan, there's this safety net that doesn't matter what you do underneath you, you are going to be fine, then you are willing to take your first steps. If I, if I tell you, Susan, you're going from pylon A to pylon B, and there's no net today, you know, like how trepidly are you taking that first step? So what mentors do is they, they provide us with that safety net. They mm-hmm. hold our hand and help us take that step. And sometimes that's all we need because innately often we actually know the answer, but, um, but we're doubting ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, mentors um, can, te- can teach you the things that can't be taught in the, path, in, in the classroom. They're the people that have walked the path themselves and, um, you know, they basically share the experiences. And, look, I'm, I'm lucky I belong to an organisation called the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. It's a worldwide organisation that connects, um, I think, now around 13,000 entrepreneurs um, with businesses over about $2 million around the world. And what they do is they put you into groups of people that provide you with the most valuable support. You know, I, I can't imagine sitting at the dinner table talking to my friends about my cash flow issues or my, you know, staff problems. <laughs> you know, they, their eyes would roll back in their head. But, well, not all my friends because a lot of them run their own business, but certainly it's not the most interesting dinner conversation you can rock up with. <laughs> but mentors, yes. you know. Entrepreneurs mentors understand. To, um, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day I uh, – I went away with my girlfriends, two very successful girlfriends, and and I left thinking I left thinking with this list of things to do. I need to change banks. I need to do this. <laughs> I'm thinking this is not your average girlfriend's <laughs> right. <laughs> away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so they provide value support, valuable support. They sure. do. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we should never, ever, ever think that we have all the answers, right? I think, you know, continuing to learn should be um, something that we all strive to do. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And look, I think that is the fantastic thing about having more women in business. I think women are um, more in, they, they don't think that they're always right, probably as much. And I know I'm making um, assumptions here, but, you know, I think women are great for the economy. Um, you know, according to Forbes magazine, 90% of startups are, done, are created by women. Mm-hmm. And if 70 to 90% of new jobs are created by entrepreneurs, that means it's the women of this world that are creating jobs. Jobs create the economy, you know. And then aside from that, women offer a level of diverse, diverse thinking. Um, I don't think we have our egos quite as attached to a lot of decisions. Great listening skills, better empathy, um, which helps good people management, which helps good human management, which helps the humans of the world. Um, so, and I think let's not underestimate as well that uh, so much of the world's um, purchasing decision making is done by women. I mean, even with cars and That's things right. that you sort of go, well, look, this is a man's thing. Mm-hmm. So, so, women innately know what women want. That's right. So, I think um, I, th- I think it makes it makes good business to have more women in business. Yes, yes, I agree. I think the I think the statistic is you know seventy. It's probably higher. Um, the percentage that our consumers are women, somewhere around eighty percent of purchases. So um, I think we're seeing such a value to um, the economy and and overall across all industries because women are becoming entrepreneurs and um, are able to to market in the right way and, and give that contribution um, that really makes sense for the consumers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, tell me how you motivate your own team. What is your leadership style with the people that work for you? Um, I would say that... Um, I, my leadership style is collaborative. Uh, I am. I think. I think the thing that is important to remember is energy. And at the end of the day, as humans, you know, we are bones. We're you know flesh and organs, and we're energy. And it's that light that's inside us that, when we die, goes out. But our body and everything else remains. And I think one thing that's uh, incredibly important to remember is how we manage our own energy and how that affects other people Mm. Um, because it's that energy that they feel. um, And I can even see in my own team, you know, we we don't all have amazing days every day. And I can see in my own team the days that I'm not having an amazing day, you know, I can sense in them that they're sensing me that I'm not having an amazing day. That's and so right. my job as a leader is to manage my own energy and to, in many ways, protect my energy and to cultivate more energy. And so being in an area where you are passionate about what you do is so fundamental to this because, as you said before, you know, it doesn't feel like work. 
it feels like you're rocking up to do great things every mm. day in an area that you really care about. And um, I think that really is fundamental to keep going because in small business, there are lots and lots of, I wouldn't even say road, road bumps because sometimes they feel like Everest in your path. Yes. And to remind yourself of your purpose, you know, like why the hell am I doing this, you know, is so key to keeping on going. So then from a leadership perspective, um, I think that it's very important that your team you know, your team are, are vested and also share in the purpose. We do this fantastic exercise that I learned from someone else, actually. It's called the painted picture. And the idea of the painted picture, we get together every year, all of us, and we, we actually write down um, and tell a story like it's a movie of where we want the business to be in five years' time. And everybody gets involved in this. And... So, because the thing is, if I say to you, well, what happens at the end of uh, The Sound of Music or, you know, you could actually tell me, um, do you know that movie? I do, yes. Okay. I'm just making sure I'm choosing a movie. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you can actually tell me the, the whole story. You can tell me how the Von Trucks went through the war and how they got in here and how they... And, and this is the good thing in business. If you can sort of say, I'm going to be here at the end of this movie then actually the steps that are along the way seem obvious. Mm. Um, you know, the big picture of things. So we do this exercise every year, and then what we do is we actually put pictures to it, and we refer to it all the time, and we have it around the office. And it reminds us, you know, kind of why we're coming to work every day. And I think it is important to have this high-order vision of what you're doing so that pe people understand why they're rocking up every day. But look, underneath all of this... Um, we have, a, we have a very strong structure of, you know, what are the goals for the year? What are your personal KPIs? We do everyone's reviews every three months. Um, we have a principle which is no one should rock up to a review without actually knowing what you're about to tell them because you should have told them in real time when it happened. So that doesn't become a... It becomes a culture of positive feedback and encouraging people to get better, not pointing out people's errors. You know. Yes. Um, but look, all of that is all of that is easy if you hire well. <laughs> and uh, I I I like to say that I hire unicorns. You know, they're people that make magic out of every day. Mm. But um, I have to say that I don't have the magic recipe yet to finding these unicorns. I've been blessed, and all of my people are unicorns. But but um, it's that's very tricky to try and choose the right people every every time is a very tricky exercise because, frankly, the right people make your job easy. That's right. I was actually going to ask you if you felt you had the gift to recognize that in others. And my guess is you do if, if you've had luck with most of your employees and that they have all been um, the type of people that do kind of want to create magic. Uh, do you, is that a gift you have to recognize it or is it something you think you might struggle with? It depends what day you get me, Susan. Um, <laughs> I, look, I think that as I've gotten older, um, and certainly there's more, more experience, I'd say that I have definitely gotten better at it. Mm -hmm. um, but look, I, I wouldn't say it's um, something that I'm excellent at. I would say it's something that I'm, I'm hoping to still, you know, find the, 
find the witch's claw to go back into the, yeah. <laughs> the, the secret recipe. Yes. You know, the secret recipe, I, I wouldn't say I've nailed yet. But certainly um, I think the challenge is to look past what people are saying to you almost. Like you need to listen to what they're saying to you. But, but often they will be, you know, telling you whatever you want to hear in a moment. That's so, right. Yes. What is it that you can, what is it, and like what are the other examples, what are the behaviours, mm-hmm. and then um, look, I've, I have sort of changed my tactic now in terms of people, I think they have to pass the airport test, which is can you sit with this person on a layover for six hours doing nothing? <laughs> that's a great question, <laughs> yes, that's a great question. You know, because you need to feel comfortable with them because we're in a relatively small office. You know, you need to feel comfortable being with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, I think the other thing is, you know, just keep asking the questions because people can't tell you something misleading, you know, for an hour, two hours. You know, they can, they'll tell you one answer, but beware of your own cognitive bias. Like what is the story you've made up in your head about what they've just said to you mm-hmm. that you haven't validated yet? Um, and that's it when they sort of say, oh, yeah, I'm a great, you know, salesperson. You know, give me three points of evidence. What happened when this happened, this happened? You know, so I think the questioning is very important. I use a technique called the top grading technique. Um, and that's actually something that's out of the Vern Harnish um, School of Thinking Interesting. I'll have to. I'll have to look that up. I'm not familiar with it. Mm, yeah. Look, it's it's terrific, but uh, it's part of the answer, I think, to hiring great people. Yeah. Good. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break, Anika. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about the importance of self-belief and how it has helped you um, overcome some of the challenges you've had in past roles. We'll be right back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, 
how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I have a wonderful and successful woman entrepreneur joining me this afternoon from Australia, and her name is Anika Vandenbroek, and she's the CEO and founder of Rufus & Coco. Uh, again, it's a pet brand that offers um, trusted and original products for pets, and we will certainly touch on your, your business before the end of the show, Anika. I just wanted to... Um, Talk more with you about what it is about you that has really helped you to launch this company and, and become a national brand in such a short period of time. And I know that you um, value the importance of, of self-belief. It's certainly something that I don't think it only affects women. I, I certainly think it affects men and women. But as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I think women in particular um, spend a little bit you know, too much time um, self-doubt or with self-doubt, I should say. And I think when I was reading about your background and some of the roles you had prior to launching Rufus & Coco, um, there were some setbacks, um, as with any uh, company or, or business. And I wanted to know if you could touch on them a little bit and tell me, number one, you know, why you think self-belief is so important. And number two, what were some of the uh, tools that you used in your past roles with Pam, uh, Pan, excuse me, Pharmaceutical um, and the company Bonds Underwear, which I understand you were able to restore profitability to? Well, you're right. Look, self-belief is the, is the key ingredient. And where do we get it from? And gee, wouldn't it be great if someone could give it to us? Because <laughs> that yes. would mean we'd all just run to the shop and buy a packet of it. And <laughs> you know, it doesn't. Um, it just doesn't happen that way. And I, I, I think that our sense of self worth is something that we, um, you know, certainly from can be affected from parts of our childhood. And mm -hmm. so. Much of it for me as, a, as an adult is understanding what impact that has had on my degree of self-belief and almost like reprogramming myself, if you like, mm -hmm. as to... And look, there's fantastic resources out there. Um, and look, we talked before about mentors, um, books, your program, you know, other, other areas where I think for me, where I get it from, I mean, aside from it being really an innate thing in all of us, is that I just believe that if she can do it, why can't I? You know, if she can, I can too. And um, I know I recall that, I recall, you know, at a young age, opening up a magazine and seeing these, you know, very beautiful, successful-looking women in business. And, you know, I talked earlier about 
growing up with a mother that was a home-based mum that sort of always desired to do other things and would openly talk about it. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and actually do something. Um, I, I think that it's very easy for people to sort of say, well, I don't, I don't know or I can't do or I don't have the confidence and, um, and that's why I keep encouraging certainly people I mentor to keep taking the next step. Just do the next thing because it's very easy. We let ourselves down and, and look, I could have done the same thing. Like there were many aspects that in starting Roots & Cocoa in 2008 and it wasn't until 2010, um, which was three years later, I'd, had, I'd made four presentations to the largest retailer in this country. Every single time they told me no. I, I flew by myself to Nuremberg, Germany and set up a trade stand. I remember borrowing the drill off the workers on the floor so that I could put the holes up in the wall on the stand. I couldn't believe that I could use a drill. So I set up the <laughs> whole stand mm-hmm. and, um, and I set up all, the, all my products and everything, um, half of which were stolen overnight off oh, the stand, geez. despite oh. the fact they had said they had security. Yeah. Yeah. So then I rock up the next day and, you know, you have to remember I'm in Germany, so not everyone speaks English. Um, and the very buyer that I've been trying to present to for, um, for years, well, actually it was a, the customer group, if you like, um, you know, the new buyer rocked up and I met them in Germany. It was that year that was a, a turning point. But I can tell you, Susan, in that year, my, um, my husband had said to me, he said, Annika, really, if you don't make this thing more profitable by, or like make enough money, yeah, by the end of this year, we're going to really have to consider closing it down because, and this is my third year in business, you know, which is kind of laughable to think about now because now we are Australia's most awarded pet care brand. You know, we are a, a trusted household name in Australia for pet. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I just thought to myself, Right, you know what? Uh, it was almost because he was the one that um, had often said a lot of. He um, was quite critical in in what he'd say to me every day, which I used to take on board. So I, in my mind, I thought, right, that's it. Get out of my way. I am doing this because, you know, for me, I did not want to. I did not want to go back to corporate life. I had had had. Um, I'd had a very successful career in in, in corporate. But I recognised that um, I had children a little bit later in life and I recognised that to have the life I wanted, I would not be able to achieve that in a corporate environment working from 8 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. So I thought, I'm not going back to that. That was one of the other things that that drove me to do it. And I thought to myself, well, you know, why can't... You know, it was was almost like a necessity thing. I thought, I'm not going back there. I actually really want to do this. I really believe that we can do this. I just need someone to see what I can see out of this, which happened in that year. And that was one of the massive turning turning points for us. Um, So I know that was a little bit of a long long story, wasn't it? No, that's okay. I'll tell you what that tells... I mean, that really speaks to your persistence. And, you know, Anika, you mentioned at the very, I'm going to go back for a minute, the very, very beginning of the show, you talked about your dad and his his belief in you in telling you that you could truly do whatever you wanted. I think there's something very powerful in a father and daughter relationship where a father tells their daughter that she can, that she can do it. 
Would you say that's something that's kind of stayed with you over the years? Yeah, look, <clears throat> I um, absolutely. I recall the day where I swam across the swimming pool for the first time, and it was the day that my father sat me down by the edge of the pool. And remembering him, my father is Dutch. He's he's like Rambo. He looks like Rambo. He's six foot four. He's quite massive. And I'm this little girl by the edge of the pool with a floating device which is the only ever thing that I wore to swim in the pool. And he sat me down by the edge of the pool that day and he says, Anne, with his very deep, you know, thick Dutch accent, today you will swim to the end of the pool and back again without the floaty. And I said, no, Dad, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, no, you are. And he's pulling the floaty off my head and he said, but before you go, you tell yourself three times, you can do anything you want to if you try. And I said, I can do anything if I want to if I try. And he said to me, say it louder. And I said, I can do anything I want to if I try. He goes, say it louder. And I said, I can do anything I want to if I try. He said, now, go swim. Go swim. And I swam that day to the edge of the pool back oh, again. Now, wow. that, that, day, that, that day was my Everest. Yeah. You know, that was my, and I, I managed to achieve. So that mantra of, I can do anything I want to if I try with Paramount. But what I would add to this story is that my dad did not have, I mean, this is the same father that told me not to do my MBA, took not a lot of interest in my education, even though he sent me to one of the best schools in the country. Because despite the fact that he really wanted me, he, he loved me unconditionally, he had no expectations that I'd ever do more than, um, than you know, be a mum at home with her children, mm. like his wife. So it was this interesting um, kind of dichotomy between what he was telling me and how he was sort of behaving and then what he actually really wanted for me. <clears throat> so, But certainly that mantra, um, I can do anything I want to try, is, is a great one and, and something I instill into my kids today. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it, that you know he had he instilled that in you, but at the same time, um, had different expectations, which obviously you proved <laughs> differently. Um, but yeah, that's very interesting. Um, listen, I want to, I want to talk about the, your company and the success of your company. And, and I understand that, um, first of all, your brand, just so the listeners know, is sold, um, through veterinarians and pharmacies, health food and pet stores, uh, major supermarkets. And also has a presence in countries like New Zealand, Singapore, and North America. Um, I want to ask you how how big do you want to go? Oh, look, to me it's um, <clears throat> excuse me, Susan. To me, it's not about a size thing. To me, it's about an effect. And um, you know, Rufus and Coco, we're Australia's most awarded brand. I'm so proud of saying that. Mm -hmm. We're a health and beauty um, company, and you're right. We, uh, we, you know, we're in Australia. We're a trusted household name in pet care, and and we operate now in in several other countries. And and recently, we were awarded um, the a silver award in the Stevie's consumer goods category. It's an international award where they, I think it's 3,600 companies enter across 80 countries. So we were very proud of the day that we took out silver in, in that award. Wow. So for me, it's about having the ability to um, make 
people's lives and their pets easier and happier and healthier and be able to have enough to be able to affect good in um, in you know in the work that we do and not for profit so I'm really proud that we support the World Animal Protection. It's a fantastic organisation that helps um, animals, you know, across the globe. And one of the programs we've been involved in is um, for every dollar donated, it actually helps to vaccinate a dog in impoverished countries against rabies. And in doing that, it stops the animal being inhumanely culled. Like, literally, they will you know, do anything to kill the dog, stone the dog to death, because you can imagine if you're protecting your family in these countries, mm. um, you know, you, you're using whatever means to keep the dog away from your family because you don't want your family to get rabies. And, you know, some really heartwarming stories um, about how now dogs are being led into communities. And, and we know in our society, we take for granted in our society that people understand that animals have feelings. You know, if you hit a dog, it yelps. You know, if you stand on a paw, you know, animals have feelings. And in these uh, third world countries, you know, the people don't really understand this yet. Um, even in the likes of China, you know, in China, they still have a festival where they eat dogs. Mm. Um, so it's trying to, the work that we do helps. Um, so what we understand in, I suppose, our Western culture is that Animals are actually, they've proven this time and time again, they continue to, they're actually good for our well-being. You know, they're actually good for our health. They're good for our emotions. They help people with anxiety. You know, I've got mm -hmm. a girl in my office, she has an autistic daughter, and, um, and all these sorts of conditions have been alleviated by giving, getting her daughter a dog. Yes, I've seen and it so myself. Can, I, it is true. I've seen that myself. That's, I know it is actually, it's amazing. And look, well, there's a fantastic statistic in Australia, which is 82% um, of people that have a pet say their pet is their best friend, their best friend. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we can, it, it, it does, pets and animals make better humans, I think. So <laughs> if we can help with some of the work that we do, um, in, you know, in these impoverished countries, then then, you know, for me, it's not about size. I mean, clearly we need to be a profitable concern to be able to give money back. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, it's about how many people in everyday suburbia, everyday everywhere, that we can just make their lives a little bit um, happier with their pet. And then in impoverished countries, the work that we can do there through the World Animal Protection. Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. I think, you know, what certainly we all know that what they provide is that unconditional love. There's never any judgment from a pet, right? So um, I have seen it. I yeah, they just really add so much to a family. And they and you're right, they can help people with all kinds of um, issues and, and even disabilities. Um Tell me, let's talk about your products for the listeners because they can get um, what you have online. How has the company, you know, I read it actually has changed the face of the pet industry in Australia. What is different about Rufus and Coco from other pet brands? Uh, well, Rufus, I th the main trend in the, in the marketplace worldwide is people humanizing their pets. So if you're treating your pet, at like a human, like a child, like a fur baby, 
Um, the types of products that you'd want to choose for it are like you'd choose for a baby or, or a child. And so applying, um, you want it to be attractive looking product and you want it to be, you know, very naturally based and you want it to be effective. And, um, and that's the type of product that we, that we sell and offer. It's a health and beauty range for, um, for all types of animals, principally focused around dogs and cats. It's very high quality. We've got products that are grooming products, cleaning products, litter products, accessories, um, all sorts of things that are in the, the, but not food. So all sorts of products that are not food. And so what it means is that if you go and use one product that you love, um, you know that you can turn to a brand and get another product to solve one of your um, animal's needs, um, you know, that you can actually trust is high quality. The process that we go through, it's interesting, my first qualification was in fashion design and I always say that, and then I went on to do my MBA, but I always say that everything you learn is not lost because even though I'm not a fashion designer, <laughs> nowhere near it, Susan, um, <laughs> you know, certainly a lot of the products that we do and the way that we brand is very fashionable. And, and I think that has is an expectation of consumers today, even in like in everything they buy. Um, I mean, what my mother would wear is often the same thing as I've got on. You know, it's uh, not, there's not this, this, this um, sort of difference between, I suppose, age, ages and that type of thing. So um, what Rufus & Coco offers is a range of health and beauty products that are very high quality and fashionable. And today, um, we'd love people to try them out on Amazon um, Amazon.com or WAG.com, and increasingly we're expanding around North America. That's wonderful. Is is there a best-selling product? You know, since since the launch, is there there a product that you know just continually does well? Uh, we have a fantastic product called Wee Kitty Clumping Corn Litter. So our litter product is corn-based. It's flushable, it's environmentally friendly, and it outperforms every one of the world's litters that we've tested. Um, it's more absorbent, and um, and that particular product is one. And it's how how handy is it being able to flush your cat litter down the toilet? Um, you know, instead of sort of culminating to waste. So that is actually you know one of our top selling products. But you know, it's very funny because in different parts of the world where we sell our products. Um, and even with different customers, you know, they'll often have favourites. And sometimes it comes down to who's selling it in that store. And um, But certainly We Kitty Clumping Corn Litter, that's one of our um, most successful products. And, and actually it's twice awarded here in Australia. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, listen, Anika, I want to know what your advice would be to some of our listeners who um, most are women. And uh, I know that there's many women out there who haven't yet, um, kind of found what it is they want to do, but they do have aspirations uh, in entrepreneurship to start their own business. What would you say to them to kind of give them that um, that push or that shove, as we talked about earlier in the show? Um, <laughs> what, what, what advice would you leave them with? Oh, gosh, I would like to say um, do something. Like, don't wait. Like, a lot of people call me up um, and just say, well, how did you know what to do? How did you know what? I'm not sure my thing is the b biggest idea, the best idea, the most unique idea. 
I'm like, do you care about what it is that you're about to do? Like, what is it that you care about that idea? So find something that you care about and find something that you know you do well and try to combine those two things together. And do you know at this point that that is the thing that's going to be successful? No, but by through the application of continuing along the journey, you know, you create your own success by what you, your thoughts and, and by the actions that you take. But sitting around, writing it down on a piece of paper, hoping that someone will tell you that that's the best idea ever, that will not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it may happen and good luck if it does, but it's unlikely. I can't tell you how many people told, my idea, told me, and these were people that are very clever, um, well-respected, successful people told me that my idea was not that amazing and that I shouldn't really do it, including my own parents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to, at some point, you have to be clear on what you want. I go back to that, create your own vision. Like, what is it that you want? Do you think you can do it? Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Where is your own level of, like, what you... And and then, in a way, when all these uh, self-defeating thoughts come up in your head... You know, just keep moving them to the side. And, and a lot of the time, they're not actually ours. They're actually other people's thoughts that they've shoved in our brain that we need to recognize as not ours and take them back out of there. That's but, right, yes. Um, so so I, think, I think try to combine what you're good at with something you love. And within that, I think there's a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and get going and find some support. You know, if you need people outside you that, you know, find, find a mentor, turn to a book, listen to the stories on your program, womentowatch.net, you know, mm-hmm. and, and find some support and get motivated by other people that have done it. You know, sometimes I sat at lunch um, the other day with a guy and I just sort of thought, oh, you know, he just seems to have this unwavering faith in himself. But, and I sort of think, why, why don't I do that every day? <laughs> but it's often when you, when, when you see this in other people, you kind of think, well, why, why is it that I'm doubting myself getting started? But whatever you do, just start. Don't uh, wait for tomorrow because, you know, life is too short. Like I wished I had started what I was doing five years before I had. It certainly would have been easier without having a baby at the same time and then my second child. Um, but you know, look, it is the way it's meant to be, but you know, don't wait for tomorrow. Yeah. Start today. Yeah. I think that's great advice, especially what you said about, you, you know, whatever it is that you do, it doesn't have to be some big, grand, unique, original idea. It's more important that you're doing mm. what you love and that it is something you are good at because, you know, you are the original. Whatever it is that you do doesn't have to be that, you know, uh, a big grand idea. It just needs to be something that you can do well and that you, you know, that brings you joy. The success will come. I agree. I, I just want to share one thing quickly. I went to uh, Vern Harnish's event the other day. He calls himself the growth guy and he stood up and there was a whole room of um, entrepreneurs and he said to everyone, what is your job in your business? And, you know, people would call out, oh, make money. Oh, you know, do this, do that, whatever was relevant in their um, industry. And he said, no, stop. He said, your job is to make your customers' lives easy. 
He said, so what is it you do in your business and how do you focus on making your customers' lives easy? And, and I thought, gee, that's good. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> and is. And I thought, you know, in many ways that's what's, that's what's created Rufus & Coco's success because in many of our products, you know, we, we go to the nth degree on our development and our thinking and because we are all pet owners, we try to like make the pet owner's life easy just by the little things that we have an extra handle on this a click on that you know it does make help to make their lives easy and um so that they can spend more time loving their pets so i just thought that that was a good one in terms of trying to find what you're looking to do like what is it that you're doing for the consumer to make their life easy that's right great question and great advice anika thank you so much for joining us uh for the listeners you can find rufus and coco at rufusandcoco.com is that correct? It's a dot com? It's a dot com. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Thank you, Anika, and I hope you'll tune in next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, and good luck. Thank you. Have a great day.